0: Hey, this is Mike Sparrow with Authority Zero, and you're listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast.
1: Appreciate you guys tuning in to the Phoenix Suns Solar (laughs) Panel Podcast. And as uh, somebody just whispered there, yes, tweet it out, always tweet it out. So (laughs) we are finally here. We finally had one glorious game of preseason basketball that we're going to go over. Of course, joining us this week, Mr. Dave King. Yo, how's it going? And Mr. Greg Esposito, Ahoy, ahoy. And one thing I do want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube right now, we appreciate you, but we all do that. We do this for an actual podcast. So if you haven't had a minute or a chance to check out our podcast, wherever you do listen to podcasts, search for the Sun Solar Panel, and we are up there. And uh, the
2: benefit of that is you don't have to see Dave and my face during the show. That's right.
1: That
3: is a big benefit. (laughs) They all missed him, but you don't want to see Dave and Greg's faces. Exactly. No.
1: So, Suns fans are pretty happy. Uh, I'm pretty happy. I think everybody's pretty happy after watching that first preseason game. Before we get into uh, the players specifically and really some of the takeaways, I do want to read some of the box score notables, if you will. DeAndre Ayton, 18 points, 13 boards, and two blocks at 21 minutes, had a really great first half. Devin Booker, 15 points, five assists, and uh, 21 minutes. Ricky Rubio, 11 points, five assists on 38% shooting in 20 minutes. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, 14 points, four boards, and shot two two of five from three and 23 minutes. Um, notables off the bench, uh, apart from Kaminsky, obviously Ty Jerome, 23 minutes, 12 points, four assists, uh, Javon Carter, nine points and three seals in 22 minutes. And then kind of, I, I thought it was worth mentioning the, uh, amount of minutes some of the other bench guys got. Yeah. Check Diallo, 22 minutes, Tyler Johnson, 14 minutes, Ellie Iacobo, 13 minutes, Tariq Owens, 12, Jared Harper, five, uh, a couple mm. of DNPs for injury as well as just regular coaching DNPs.
3: Yeah, I would expect in the second preseason game, we'll see Lawrence uh, Odies and Jalen LeCue get some time. And I just saw that Dwayne Rankin of azcentral.com in the, in the Arizona Republic tweeted that all of Bridges, Oubre, and Baines practiced today, which uh, is a sign of good news, although they're under abundance of caution it's, it's unlikely Monty will force anything in any of the preseason games to get those guys in, um, even even uh, even at the sacrifice of learning the system in, in full game action.
2: Uh, you know, one takeaway from, from those stats that you uh, shared, Tim, was the fact that uh, one thing remained consistent from last year, and not a lot did. Uh, the fact that late in the game in that fourth quarter, they did not go to DeAndre Ayton uh, offensively, <laughs> <laughs> even though he had a big second half. Hey,
3: They didn't go the to first Devin half. Booker either. So Devin <laughs> Booker's learning he didn't uh, take over the entire usage rate um, in the fourth quarter as well.
2: I'm, I'm- kidding obviously they didn't play in the fourth but uh i was it was an impressive first half from eight and it was good to see him come out be aggressive dominate it was really good to see ricky rubio get him the ball i mean it's gonna make a huge we talked about it all off season but to actually see the difference that ricky <laughs> rubio could make for deandre Ayton uh, and watch it was very nice
3: Yeah, Rubio was actually, uh, he was just, you know, you want to go, you want to be able to go in the locker room and say, Ricky, is this the best? You know, is this great? Is this awesome? And you you have to remember that he was on a 51 jazz team last year and he's been in the league eight years and he's been on, he just won the FIBA uh, World Cup uh, a few weeks ago. and, And he's been on international teams for 15 years. He's probably not as impressed as we are with his play <laughs> with no. the sons. Uh, but we're pretty darn impressed because we haven't seen a guy with making passes like that since probably uh, Steve Nash. Cause Goran Dragic was good, but he didn't make no look passes like uh, Rubio does. And um, uh, Eric Bledsoe was never really a pass first guy.
2: Let's let's be honest. I have not been this excited about the Suns in a very long time, and it's after one preseason game. But that's because my expectations have been beaten so low, right? Yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm predicting 33 wins, and, and I'm genuinely excited about that. And if you told us that a decade ago, somebody's head would have exploded. But that's where we're at. But I'm excited because just even in one preseason game, you went, Oh my gosh! This is a team. This is this is a group of guys that know how to play basketball, and that was even with 29 turnovers uh, in that first game. You still yeah. walked away going, this team knows knows what they're doing. That's exciting.
3: So let's talk about the turnovers a little bit. The uh, Suns had 29, and the uh, the Timberwolves had 27. Uh, before the game, the referees kind of let all the all the media know, and, and earlier in the training camp, they let they let uh, teams know that they're going to really crack down on traveling this year. I don't know if that's in relation to James Harden or what, but they're going to really crack down on traveling. And so they always go overboard with those calls in preseason to get to get the point across, and then they back off of those calls once the regular season hits. Uh, but at least it helps change the habits a little bit of the player. So they're not so obvious on traveling and there were way too many. I think about 15 of those 60, almost 60 fouls were just on the, on that kind of call. So um, it looked worse than it really was. I think somebody else looked up that there's only been three regular season. I think Jim Kokenauer on Brightside in the comments section said, there's only been three regular season games and, uh, I don't know, last year where the teams had each team had over 27 fouls or 27 or more, uh, not fouls, but turnovers. So this, if that was, the Suns looked a lot better than 29 turnovers is my long story short, well, <laughs> short story long. They looked a lot better than that. It's just that the refs were messing up the, the cadence of the game to, to prove a point. Um, there weren't bad passes turning into turnovers. Devin Booker had a couple of bad passes. He tried to thread the needle left-handed a little bit, uh, a couple of times when he shouldn't have, uh, whereas Ricky Rubio is so good at that. Um, Rubio only had one turnover. Booker had five. Somehow, uh, Sheck Diallo had five, and I think that was on the travelings. And then um, uh, rookie Ty Jerome had five, and a couple of those were on traveling calls as well. He wasn't making crazy passes. There were some passes that didn't finish, you know, get to where they were going, but Ty Jerome was really, really – in control and i wouldn't you couldn't have told me that he had five and i I, and me believe you unless i looked at the statute
2: well the, the that that focusing on a specific thing with uh uh, with the refs isn't new. I mean, they used to come in every year yeah. when, I, when I was with the the team, and they'd do a presentation on what they were focusing on for, for this year. They'd always come in in preseason, and there was always something like traveling or uh, you know, the hand check, whatever the case may be. And they'd overemphasize it for the first you know, few weeks of, uh, uh, of preseason, maybe into that first week of the regular season. And by Christmas, the entire thing was forgotten. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't really focus on it. So this too shall pass is what I'm saying with the, with the hammering down on traveling.
3: So I do apologize to our, our listeners to burying the lead, going off on that tangent on turnovers. Uh, all I was trying to say is that's not the story of the game. Uh yeah. story of the game wasn't about turnovers. It was about how good the Suns looked offensively, especially with the starters in the first half. Um, the Suns starters had 16 made field goals and 12 assists, um, and they played mostly together. Uh, there was only maybe a minute or two overlap when Monty was taking out the starters, you know, ones, onesie, twosie. Uh, he did play the starters, uh, their regular, what would be regular minutes in the first half. He did that on purpose. He gave me him, him about 15 to 17 minutes a piece in the first half, and then only gave him the first four minutes in the second half, just to, just to, get them out of, out of halftime and, and see how they react there. It was clear the starters were tired by the end of their 15 minutes in the first half, 17 minutes in the first half, because they started coming up short on, on some of their shots and opening the third quarter, even though they were ragged they, it, as well, they were ragged. And that's just going to come with conditioning. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was the only one who admitted after the game um, out, outright in DeAndre Ayton's way um, that he was winded and he couldn't find his second wind. And I hope people don't focus on that because the entire team was winded. Everybody was winded because this the because there's a big difference, and Tim, you would know this, in in practice and warm ups and stuff like that. It's a whole different speed than actually playing a real game that's being, you know, that, that you're competitively trying to win. That's a whole different speed and you can be in great shape and still run lose your breath in that situation. And that's what happened to the Suns last night. They'll get used to it. They just need a few games to do that. I,
2: yeah.
1: A lot of the time, too, what you're trying to do is just catch that second wind. If you can catch that second wind, you're golden um, to get through there. I do want to take a moment to thank listener, though, and really everyone that has chosen to support the Sun Solar Panel podcast. Cheers. Uh, this, this week, we do want to thank Joshua Henson, who did the $10 option. But if you don't want to do $10 a month, that's totally cool. We have a $1 and a $5 as well, and we really do appreciate that also. Joshua, but if do, we love you. If you do the $10 option, uh, by all means, I will personally send you some Sun swag. So, Joshua, do us a favor. Hit us up on Twitter at SunSolarPanel. I'll get that out to you uh, likely next week. We're also going to do some mailbag questions in this episode. The first one comes from Paul from the Fanning the Flames Phoenix Suns podcast. Um, He has two questions, actually. The first one is, what player disappointed you the most from last night's game? For me, that's going to be Shaq Diallo. Uh, And a fun question, though, is what is the over-under... Of games played on the first quote, these aren't the Phoenix Suns we're used to. Stories coming out of the national media.
2: <laughs> well, my, the the person I was most disappointed in was Aaron Baines that he didn't find a way to convince Monty Williams to let him play. I, that's uh, <laughs> he is disappointed
3: too. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: that, that's the only thing I could be potentially disappointed in uh, out of out of the first preseason game. And I, that I, I think the over under uh, is a. Is going to be sky high for those. I think we're talking double digits for that, that over under. And I'm going to take the over in those stories because if this team is uh, is anywhere like they played last night, uh, they're going to surprise some people. Even even winning in the just winning in the 30s, uh, you know, the the mid to low 30s game wise, I think they're going to still surprise a lot of that national media who uh, thought that they were just total trash. So.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to, I'll, do the answers backwards on my turn. Um, so first, as far as how many games in it'll take for national media to say the Suns are better than they expected them to be probably two or three. Uh, I think Ricky Rubio, what I really liked about the Suns got a little bit of a punch in the mouth, uh, to start the game last night on Tuesday night. Uh, they were down 13 to 12 and, and, uh, Carl anthony Towns had most of their points, just uh, he had a couple of threes and a dunk and maybe another shot that went in. Um, and the Suns were fumbling the passes a little bit, Rubio's passes, a couple of them hit DeAndre in the hands, one hit Dario in the hands, and they t- couldn't hold on to it. And So they were slightly down, and all it took was just uh, Monty calling a timeout when he needed to because the Suns gave up an uncontested, a fairly uncontested transition basket, which he said before the game they were not going to, allow those um this year he was going to and he called an appropriate timeout i guess is what i'm saying in in past years we didn't see appropriate timed timeouts being called um so money called it at the right time he gathered the troops and they went on like a 16 to 2 run um and so i think i think the suns are going to be more resilient than we than any prior iterations have expected Especially when the guys are back healthy. I mean, they were missing three major rotation players last night, and they still uh, looked pretty deep. Uh, so I think, I think it'll be a couple of games, and then national media will say, gosh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they are going to be pretty good. But pretty good to national media. They won't say that until it's like in the 35 to 40 win projection range. So, uh, but they'll say better than expected. Like a guy just um, released an article in the me- uh, through the medium today uh, who's on Twitter. It's an NBA Twitter person saying he doesn't see where the Suns are even going to get to 30 wins. He doesn't know where 11 wins are going to come from just from getting a couple of new guys. So obviously he hasn't seen a minute of the team. Um, so, and most people haven't uh, to their credit. So as soon as they start seeing some basketball and the seeing, sun, seeing the Suns playing better, we'll get uh, definitely better reviews. Now, the first question being, who's the one who disappointed me the most? I got to I got to agree with a little bit. I got to agree with Greg that Chuck Diallo was um, disappointing in a way.
1: Hey, that, that was Tim. That, him
3: was, just that, that, was, that him. was Tim. I'm sorry, Tim. <laughs> I'll give you – I'm sorry, Tim. Uh, Chuck Diallo, yes. But the one who disappointed me the most, at least for two-and-a-half quarters, was Javon Carter. He looked like last year's point guards for two-and-a-half quarters. He looked like he couldn't control the ball on offense. He didn't know what he was doing. He was overplaying on defense, totally missing everything. And then all of a sudden he locked in, in the second half and he got like three steals. And, and and as Monty says after the game, he wasn't lunging for the steals. He was doing it in defensive rotation mode. So a lot of times when guys get steals, they're, uh, they're playing out of position to get them. Javon Carter wasn't doing that. He was getting those steals and, and he, he was stopping a couple of good runs on Minnesota's part, a couple in transition. He stole the ball. So that was really good. And so he did turn it around a little bit. He is not really a point guard and he's only about six one. So he's going to have a hard time finding a rotation spot on this year's Suns. But he would have he would have fought for a starting position, even playing as bad as he did uh last year
2: well yeah why why are you disappointed he played exactly like a fourth string point guard should should play which was exactly what they started last year i mean i wasn't i wasn't necessarily disappointed. he just kind of met my level of expectation for 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 what he's gonna gonna do i just it's hard to you're you're nitpicking to find disappointment in uh in last night's game, hey, I think. Hey, I'm, really,
3: I'm really happy to be nick, nitpicking to find <laughs> disappointments in the Suns game.
2: Hey, we used to have to do that to find the positive, so we'll take it.
1: Uh, let's go
3: ahead Tim. and do a, well, a comment. Tim, why don't comment? you answer the questions fully? I, I did. No, I, when did you say that the national media was going to turn their –
1: Oh, head I, head I, head I head was head. actually thinking about when about the national media started paying attention to the Kings being decent last year. Uh, you know, what was that about like twenty twenty-five wins in? Okay. So you're
3: thinking um, you're thinking Christmas.
1: Yeah, well <laughs> we'll see. Uh, JT Seymour over on the YouTube chat. He said, what's more exciting after the first preseason game, the pick and roll possibilities with Aiden and Rubio or the future role duo of Cam and Ty? Oh
2: mm. that's a, I, I've got to go with with Aiden and Rubio. I just—it's gonna give Aiton so many easy buckets, and it's gonna remind us. And it won't be to this level, but at times it will remind us of of Nash Amari, just because it's been so long since we've seen that kind of uh, of pick and roll tandem. It'll be nice to to see that. I think I just—I uh, think I'm more excited for for that. It doesn't mean I'm not excited for for Cam and Ty Jerome as well, but I I just think. Aiton and, uh, and Rubio has to be the, the winner there.
3: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll talk about both pairs. I, I think Cam definitely, God, I loved everything he did on the court. If you just watch Cam on the court, um, doing his on defense, making the right rotations on offense, uh, running off picks and finding open spots and executing on the offense, which is to keep moving. And if you catch the ball and, and you don't like that, um, we can talk about the 0.5 offense here in a sec. But um, if you, you know, if you need somebody to make quick decisions, he is he is the guy. He looked like a real NBA player, a real NBA player. And so when Dario Saric said the other day um, in training camp, he's like, I am certain that uh, Cam Johnson's going to be on a regular rotation now we can see why he said that, because Kim does all the right things. And, yes, he's 84 years old, but he knows what he's doing. He knows how to play basketball, and that's really refreshing. And he didn't even need – he came in as just a three-point shooter. Guess what? He only took a couple threes. He made his first one. It looked beautiful. And he took three threes on the night. He made one, but his, that first one was perfectly in, in, in the offense. He didn't have to rack up. He's kind of like Mikkel Bridges, obviously not the same player. Uh, but in in that he doesn't have to rack up the stats on the stat sheet to be productive. So I really like him and Ty Jerome, man, that dude, that dude uh, looks so smooth. He looks like some kid who just shows up on the playground on the weekends and challenges all the dudes who feel good about themselves to basket to one-on-ones and he kicks their butts. Ty Jerome is so (laughs) smooth on the court. He's got all the hesitation moves. He does a lot of stuff that Devin Booker took a couple of years to learn Ty Jerome already has those things in his back pocket as far as getting that getting that shot open by using his defender and getting his defender where he wants the defender to be at the, if not off balance, um, you know, uh, bound, you know, bumped a few feet away. So I think uh, th- both those guys were incredibly impressive. Um, what I, but my biggest excitement has got to be about the Rubio and Aiton pick and roll, because that'll help Aiden become more aggressive uh, because the ball's right there. Like he even said, I've, Man, the lob was high. I had to get up for that lob. Well, yeah, Ricky, put the lob where nobody else could catch up at you, and, and you put and he put it down perfectly, two-handed. Um, so Aiden's gonna get used to this and he's gonna get excited. And, and what that's gonna do on being a pick and roll dive man is it what it did for him on on Tuesday was even when he didn't get the pass, he was there heading toward the rim for the offensive rebound if if the shot was missed. The dude got seven offensive rebounds, Aiden. Uh, last night and he averaged a little over three last year Uh, he's going to get a lot because he's going to be rolling toward the rim a lot and I love that
2: you know what drives me nuts is uh, he had a great game uh, you know and not a lot of attention paid to him because he didn't do a half between behind the back between the leg dribble (laughs) with nobody guarding him like like somebody else uh, did on uh, in, in Wednesday's uh, games, if you're online, he—he who we shall not speak of from last year's draft—that uh, got all the attention for doing Actually, something. Actually, that was that
1: was a done. pretty sweet. Are
2: you no, talking about wasn't. when he,
1: when, he, when he dribbled between his uh, uh between his, his legs, legs and then no shot defense. the floater? I can yeah. do
2: that too oh, that, without that anybody was... guarding me. There was I, nobody I on it. Like,
1: I would like to see any of you guys. That was impressive. I had to, Okay, I had I that know, okay. Sweet. you know what, Tim? No. Tim,
3: can I say just because. Greg and I can't really do it. Doesn't mean it's impressive for an NBA player. No, that,
1: well, that was an impressive <laughs> move. That no, was sweet. it was not. There was no, nobody was guarding him.
3: Move. He you just can't, you, well, there's a hundred players in the league, if not two hundred players in the league, who could do that with no defender. Don't Aiden, just hate him because his name's Luka Aiden, Doncic. Okay,
2: Aiton getting that uh, getting that alley oop was a more impressive play than Luka going between his own legs while nobody was guarding him. It wasn't like he did it to get to get separation. Nobody was guarding him.
3: And it's, it was into a bad mid range shot. He
1: wasn't <laughs> a, He also, he was about five, six, seven feet from the basket. It's not like he was a uh, distributed really up court. but this isn't a, it doesn't need to be an eight and verse verse Donchich thing. That was a yes, sweet it move. It does. It
2: does. Okay. It always does. It forever will be. And I am always on the dominating side. All right. That's just the way it's going to be. Okay.
3: So let's talk about the sun's offense there. real quick before you go to more questions, Tim. Uh, the Suns. What Monty Williams has mentioned a couple of times, and then uh, Kellen Olson followed up today. Kellen Olson of ArizonaSports.com followed up today asking Monty to explain it because um, Monty mentioned this .5 offense. And if you don't think about it too much, you might think, "Oh, everybody's a point guard." No, that's not really <laughs> what it means. What it means is, dear Lord, you get I the hope not. <laughs> and you make a decision within half a second, so you don't just sit there and pound the ball into the into the into the a hardwood you actually uh, make a decision, get the ball out of your hands, either take the shot uh, or pass it or make an assist or do something or drive, you know, but make a decision within half a second. Now, what's, what's interesting about that is that Igor said the same thing a year ago. Igor Kokoshkov said the same thing a year ago. He called it putting him in a blender. But basically his whole point was get rid of the ball. And he even mentioned the .5 offense w- once or twice as a term. Uh, but get rid of the ball as soon as you catch it. Do something with it. Drive, shoot, pass, do something positive. Um, and then, But then I also remember Earl Watson. I don't know, Greg, if you were still working for the team at the time, but Earl Watson actually said they were going to play a 0.5 offense <laughs> four years ago. Um, the biggest difference in how the p- offense can be executed is in the players that you have. And neither Earl Watson nor Igor Kokoschkov were given players who could actually execute a 0.5 offense effectively. And that's more than just the point guard. That's actually the other players on the floor. T. J. Warren, Kelly Oubre, Devin Booker. Those guys, if you're going to make them make a decision in 0. 0.5 seconds, what they're going to do is they're going to put the ball on the floor and drive to the hoop. Um, they're going to try to break down the guy, and that's their that's their choice of making a decision. Or if you're and Bender, you immediately turn and pivot the pivot the ball to the next guy. Um, or so, if you're and any of the point. Chris, that, What's that?
2: I was going to say, if, or if you were any of the point guards or Josh Jackson, you just chucked it out of bounds in that at 0.5 seconds. I
3: mean. Right. And so people thought maybe that would continue the Suns uh, contribute to the Suns turnover issues. And that's potentially true. Um, but like I said last night, a lot of those turnovers were uh, the traveling calls. But so there is there is an adjustment period. But the, 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 uh, the team right now, Dario Saric, even Frank Kaminsky, even um, all, all the other guys that they've added in the offseason, in, in addition to Ricky Rubio and the rookies, Cam Cam Johnson and Ty, Ty Jerome, they can pass it real quick. Tyler Johnson was really good at passing and getting, making a decision quick last year as well. Um, those are really good guys to have for this offense that the, our prior coaches didn't have. But I just thought it was funny. We shouldn't give all the credit to a .5 offense to Monte Williams. That's been around a long time.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that's... That's the thing. It's it, To your point, it's it's about the players you have on the court that can execute it. You could add the greatest strategist over the last handful of years as your coach, and if the guys can't execute because they don't have the talent, it's not going to matter what that what you call it or, or what you're trying to get these guys to do. So um, I think Monty's also probably a, a bit better at at getting guys to buy in and, and executing uh, when they're within the system. But I, I just, to your point, it's not, it's not revolutionary. I mean, it, this is, this is what, I, I mean, it goes back to seven seconds or less that, that was the the basic premise of, of everything Mike D'Antoni was doing as well. It's not, it's not new in basketball. It's just Ricky Rubio can make it a lot easier to, to make that look, uh, look good, you know?
3: Yep. Yeah. And Dario Shards as well. Yes. Um, Some people would say that they were disappointed in Dario last night uh, in the Tuesday game just because he only made one of five shots, and he did grab seven rebounds, but um, he otherwise wasn't a big factor. Um, But he was was a big factor because he was really aggressive all night. He got some important rebounds, and he did um, uh, pass the ball or get rid of the ball or make a decision really quick, and uh, uh, not everybody was ready for it.
1: Uh, I do want to bring to attention one player that I didn't think we'd spend very much time on in the on the first podcast. <clears throat> excuse me, but I do think is worth mentioning. So we do have a comment by one of the people, one of the guys watching in the YouTube. He said Frank Kaminsky should get uh, considerations to be a starter due to his talent. My takeaway from watching Frank Kaminsky in these games or in that game specifically is all the different lineups that he was playing with, and it it seemed interesting. Yeah. Uh, what the Suns w- wanted to see from him specifically. Yeah, Frank he played center. Frank some, the
2: Tank. Frank, Frank the, the Tank.
1: tank.
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I asked him. Um, I asked him a, a weird question. I hadn't asked anybody in this way before on media day. I said, "What do you prefer? Do you prefer being in a two-big lineup or in a one-big lineup?" And you know, just asking if does he prefer to be the center in a small-ball situation, or would he rather be there next to a bigger guy? He's like, wow, I never even thought about it that way before. So now I'm going to have to ask him a follow-up because that's what Monty did on Tuesday was put him in a uh, – he, he was the the only big out there sometimes. He was one of two bigs. He was even one of three bigs at some points.
1: He played uh, with the starters. He played with different bench roles. It was Deep interesting. bench
3: too. So, yeah, yeah. all the three lay- levels of bench he was in with. And so that was interesting. And, well, my takeaway on Frank is he's better than Dragon Bender.
2: I – I have moved into Kaminsky Cove. <laughs> I have my I have my drink with the pineapple <laughs> slice and the uh, the umbrella. I am I am ready for for Frank and No Tank, my my friends. I am uh, I'm looking forward to this. And the moment I fully bought in was he had this move down low where he he kind of faked the guy, spun and did a little flick shot and, and made it. Uh-huh. And I was like. I'm fully in on Frank Kaminsky. I, it's one preseason game. Uh, I, I'm watching on, on a choppy stream on my cell phone, but I am 100% in on Kaminsky yeah. Cove. I'm buying real estate. I'm, I called my broker. I said, what can I get for my, my piece of Bender Island that's now uh, in Lake Michigan? Uh, and and can I get uh, right there in Kaminsky Cove? And, I, and I'm ready for it.
1: Uh he, property. Peter over on the YouTube chat, he says that camps and preseason generally begin positively, but there seemed to be a legit synergy and camaraderie during last night's games. As the newest Suns fans, did this feel different to you guys from prior years?
3: Yeah, you know, the whole vibe feels different for me. The whole vibe feels a lot more adult. And I don't mean old guys, get off my lawn, kind of that, that attitude. I mean, just... The guys are more mature. They just are. And even though they're still the youngest team in the league, let's not forget this, they didn't suddenly get old this summer. They still average just under 24 years old. Wait, are, of... are
1: they the youngest team in the
3: league?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look got... on
3: basketball reference or, or somewhere. I forget where it was, but it was ranked the Suns are the youngest team if you divide their, their ages by the, the number of players and all that. Um, they are the youngest team in the league because they don't have the old dudes like 38-year-old Jamal Crawford and and stuff like that. They have one old guy in Aaron Baines at 32, and everyone else is 28 or younger on the team. And a lot of guys are still in their 21- to 23-year-old phase. So um, they are still the youngest team in the league, but they just feel more mature. So when people ask, does it feel different this year? Well, the whole vibe feels different. That one game, yes, you're right. One preseason game doesn't tell you anything. We don't know for sure yet, but I know that the maturity level and the floor has been raised.
2: Well, I I totally agree. It's, it's very obvious that the that the maturity level has raised. The basketball IQ uh, has raised. It's the first time that you've had a known quantity at head coach uh, in forever. And if you remember this time last year, we were talking about how the Suns almost lost to a team from Australia, right? They they almost right. lost to a team not even in the league in game they one. Had to fight on the preceded. fourth
3: quarter comeback.
2: They. They won uh, and this year they played uh, played a a great first half. You saw Ayton get involved. Even Booker didn't have the greatest of nights and it, it even I mean he he had good numbers, but he had the turnovers like we talked about. Mm-hmm. wasn't huge scoring factor, and yet this felt completely different. That's what we're looking for. And now, as Dave said, this, of course, it, it's going feel uh, it's gonna feel good after one preseason game when when you get a win. Uh, but there's a different vibe here. This is not what we've been looking at the last four, five, six years. It feels different. And the last time it felt different like this was that surprise 48-win season where they where they came out. Uh, I'm not yeah. saying they're going to get 48 wins, but I'm just saying it has more of that feel than we've had in recent years.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, on that note, we are done with tonight's episode. We will be back. Uh Suns have a couple more preseason games this week. We're uh, going to be able to watch them play um, uh, against the Kings as well as the Blazers. So we'll be able to break that down. Uh, just as a reminder, if you want to join us, we record live on YouTube every Saturday morning, 7 a.m. Arizona time. So we will be uh, back
2: for that. Head to sunshirts.com if you want uh, to pick up a shirt. Uh, I'm going to see if we can get some Kaminsky Cove uh, uh, yeah, wear be good. there. Uh, you know, just a, a nice grab your drink, enjoy the game, and wear your Kaminsky Cove shirt.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.